Yesterday, in fact, I'm looking at these flowers assuming that someone thinks unless I have flowers in front of me, I can't speak. <laughs> because normally I speak at funerals. So thanks for the vote of confidence. I like flowers. Yesterday, I went by Britton and Ashley's home and my oldest grandson, Briggs, was there. And Britton just decided he would tell Briggs that Today, I was going to be speaking instead of Preacher Rick. And so he says, hey, Briggs, do you realize that tomorrow Suge is going to be speaking? And Briggs went, what? He said, yeah, Suge is going to be speaking. I felt exactly the same way, Briggs. What? <laughs> I'm thankful to be here this morning. In a world that weighs on us as Christians. I think regularly we select to be less, thinking it will save our strength, but instead it weakens us. This morning is nothing but some reminders of our calling in this world. Our calling that if we answer it will shape us and strengthen us in this world. I've been reflecting on the true blessing it has been to have attended and known this church as my, home as my church family since 1966. I was six years old when we placed membership. I'm now 62. I was curious about the older generation thing. I think I was born in the 60s and Rick was born in the 50s. So I think he's trying to wedge in another generation is what I'm thinking. This church, through this church, I've received so much. I think when we placed membership, the Hills, Richland Hills Church of Christ was about 600 members. I remember even as a kid, I could feel the energy in this place. We had a greeter named Fred Holmes and he greeted kids and adults the same, delighted to see us. Would pull your ponytail, would say hello, would notice what you had on. Then after church, we'd go out and play in our small front lawn. Our church was a fun place. I knew lots of kids didn't feel that way about, our, about other churches, but I loved our church. By the time I was in seventh grade, we had built and moved into the new building up on 820 where Babes is now. And the church had hired their first, first youth minister. What a blessing that was, Eddie and Mary Gooch. Soon after they came, they got busy recruiting lots of young couples to teach our classes on Sunday morning. It was fun getting to really know people like Dick and Kathy Michener, Bob and Jan Blackburn, Roger and Camille Dean, plus many others. The youth group was a powerful place to learn about pragmatic Christianity, the how-tos. At the old building, the halls were crowded on Sundays. We were growing and needed more space. One Sunday morning after class, I was leaving the youth section to go meet my family and Roger Dean said, Jenny, I've been thinking about you. I think you may have the gift of encouragement. I'm quite sure I looked quizzical, kind of like Briggs yesterday. At the time, we weren't talking about gifts very much. I smiled and thanked Roger and the next week I pondered. I doubt I studied, but I just kept thinking, the gift of encouragement, 
The next week, Roger saw me. In the same hall, he added new thoughts. Jenny, many times you know the feeling. I should write that person. I might, that person might need a hug. Follow through. God is leading you. Now, I knew that God had led Moses and other holy folks in the Bible, but this information was new. I think what I'd picked up on in our church family to this point was the Lord gave your brain and he expects you to use it, which is markedly different from being spirit-led. For the next couple of weeks, Roger gave me more insight in that same hall. It wasn't at all creepy, but instead anticipated. One Sunday, he said, Jenny, don't just use your encouragement on people that are your age and younger. You can encourage people that are older than you, that are further along than you. Feel free to write or call any, anybody and encourage them. And then he said this, it's not just a thank you. I mean, you could write elders, you could write John Jones. I was dumbfounded by this news. <laughs> this will just help them to keep going, keep working. Roger inadvertently had taken the lid off. His intentionality and energy were very helpful to me. Roger Dean was being led by the Spirit to spend energy and time on me at the age of 14. It provided direction and motivation for me. When someone from outside your family speaks in, it's powerful. Reflect on your own life. Who spoke in to you? Who helped you realize you had a place in the family of God? Those people are strategic and well used by God. Growing up here, I had many such interactions that blessed me. Think about it for a minute. Are you actively encouraging someone in this church? Someone younger than you, someone older than you? Are you taking, what, are you taking the time and energy it takes to encourage? Are you letting the Spirit lead you to encourage people? In Luke 10, we see that Jesus is in one of many difficult conversations. We find on this particular day that an expert in the law was trying to trick Christ. As to the specifics of being saved, Christ said to the man, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. With that, the man doesn't seem to take a breath and he says, well then, who's my neighbor? As if any of us love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength and with all of our mind. It was as if that's already checked off the list. Now who is my neighbor? Then Jesus begins to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. I think what makes a good story is it goes a different direction than we expect. And that's what happens in this story. Christ takes the story a totally different direction. My dad loved that about this story. But more than that, I think what he loved was it reminded him that everyone in the story was already on their way somewhere. That this wasn't, they didn't start out thinking, maybe I'll get to help someone who's been beat up today. 
that they were shocked by the interruption. As my brother Kelly said one time, we never go out on the freeway just hoping to find someone with car trouble that we can help. We're always on our way somewhere, which means most of the time we don't stop because we have our plans. There are many great takeaways from this parable, but for today, this is the one. The Lord is honored when we choose to love others as we love ourselves. The Lord is honored by that. This story isn't told about a mom who was crazy about her kids. This story talks about someone you weren't expecting to love that you care for, that you decide, I'm going, I'm going to take care of this situation. I think for most of us, this is a road less traveled. And yet, we are all included in this command of Christ. He says it to all of us. This isn't a gifting. This is what he's wanting for all of us, to love our neighbor as ourselves. I think quite a few of us would be hard-pressed to prove that we're doing this. I'm noticing in our large church, when a need comes up, we think, ooh, I sure hope the church does something about that. Or... I wonder, what is the church going to do to help them? Almost like that's why I pay dues. As a Christ follower, my first question should be, is there a way I can assist or help? There's no replacement for self-sacrifice, especially if my life goal is to be like Christ. I think often we think more about the tax advantage of giving through the church than we do the connection that comes when I meet a seen need. When I meet it directly with my funds, with my energy, with my time, it's not just life-changing for the person who receives, it's life-changing for me. You're connected from then on. It makes a difference. Loving your neighbor was assigned to us as individuals. Again, it's not a gifting. Even through the Gospels, we see that Jesus was a humble servant. Regularly, he was with the most common people of his day, taking time to see, to notice, and to serve. Eventually, sacrificing his life for all of us. In Luke 9:23, Jesus bids us, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Christ is making a hard call that most of us had rather forget day to day. Denying ourselves, picking up our cross, loving our neighbors as ourselves are all challenging. Many of us hide behind, well, I've got to have some boundaries, creating a rather self-focused life. A couple of years ago, when my little sister decided, actually, upon feeling led, decided to donate her kidney to a man she barely knew, again, I was struck with the beauty of, denying, of her denying herself. Sarah's process took many months, and even after she was tested and approved, it was a challenging thing emotionally and mentally to actually follow through on. One dominant thought that kept happening was she kept thinking, what if I ended up needing that second kidney? Nate would have it. Not nearly as handy as when I'm in charge of it. She kept having doubts. 
The week before her surgery, they asked a group of elders to come and to pray with them, with she and Gary. It was a beautiful and powerful evening. She was getting cold feet, and she, was, she told them about getting cold feet and her fear. The Lord gave her peace and strength. That's what they prayed, that the Lord would give her peace and strength. Sarah says after that night of prayer, that all of a sudden she was free of any angst, of any dread, she was free. The day of the surgery, Nate called the recipient and he said, Sarah, you don't have to do this. If you've changed your mind, do not feel bad. Sarah was not even tempted. She said, of course we're doing this, Nate, get to the hospital. I think Sarah's tremendous, generous gift not only has given her greater strength for many other things in life, but has given her greater witness. She now knows personally how the Lord blesses sacrifice. I'll always be grateful for those elders who went to pray. Prayer is powerful. So there are a few questions that come to mind as we're just sitting here thinking about, okay, we've talked about being an encourager. We've talked about taking up your cross daily, that daily word. Talk about sacrifice, denying yourself. So a few questions come to mind. Please know before I ask them, I've been asking myself for weeks these same questions and not overly impressed by my answers. How often do I go out of my way for others? You could ask the person next to you and they'll probably have a clear idea of that. <laughs> do I spend any time thinking of how to encourage others and then actually follow through? Here, I've written thousands of notes. Here, not, not as many. Do I ever do the unimaginable for someone I'm not that crazy about? I'm gonna ask that one again. Do I ever do the unimaginable for someone I'm not that crazy about? Is one of my favorite exercises bending over backwards? Lots of us aren't that limber. We're not used to doing it. Am I regularly aware that it is the spirit who's putting pressure on me to go out of my way? What does that feel like? For me, it's pressure right here. I can just feel it's like, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. I'm like, oh, I don't really wanna do that. He's like, yes, I'm totally aware of the fact you don't wanna do this. If you wanted to, I wouldn't need to be putting pressure on you. How often do I change my plans for someone else's needs gladly? Gladly. Do people dread asking me to change plans? Does your mate dread saying, uh, can we not go there tonight? Does she just dread that? Does he just dread that? Do your kids say, oh, do we have... Do they dread that? How often do I change my plans 
for someone else's needs gladly. Honestly, many times a day, I select not to go out of my way, heavy on the my. Even as spirit is prompting, there are times I think I don't really have time or someone else can handle this. Daily, I fail to pick up my cross. For a, Christ, for a Christian, cross-carrying isn't to be reserved for rare instances. But it's supposed to be a daily choice, a choice that becomes more natural as we live in the Spirit. The, di- the denying of ourselves is a call to all of us, to each of us who believe in Jesus Christ. There's a Christian author, Douglas Kane McKelvey, says it like this. From the moment of our baptism into the death of Christ, we begin the practice of dying by degrees, dying to self and to our self-centered pursuits of anything that wars against our vocation as disciples. We begin the long sanctifying process of taking up our crosses each day, seeking to crucify those parts of our hearts that cry me and mine. Often, I think we undersell this part of conversion, in part because many of us haven't experienced it. Think about that. We practice denying ourselves so infrequently that it's nothing we are prepared to sell as a positive. I can't tell what y'all are thinking this morning. We have yet to find that Christ is truly our all in all. As parents, we've all needed to assist kids in becoming less grabby and selfish. You remember that? Getting something out of their hands, peeling back one finger at a time, only to have this finger pop back. But I notice when the God of the universe, as my father, seeks to assist me with the same me and mine, I'm resistant. Just like my kids were. I still enjoy getting my way. In fact, had I gotten my way, I would have never spoken at a funeral, nor at this service. It looks like quite a few things on my bucket list will go unchecked, and many things I had no desire to do will have been accomplished. Praise be to God. God is trying to help me let loose and allow him to direct. Just thinking about it still kind of makes me feel sweaty. I like my plans, but evidently the Lord prefers his adventures. When we cut loose and follow, our efforts and energy become so much more effective and even more sustainable because tapping, I'm sorry, even more sustainable because he is supplying the resources, though regularly tapping into some of mine. 1 Peter 4.10, Peter writes, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So today, I'm not coming to you as a teacher, but as a learner. I'm trying to learn this. I'm trying to grasp this. This first snapshot is LaVon Kirkpatrick. Maybe we can zoom in a little bit closer. LaVon was one of these folks. She taught me as a four-year-old in Bible class. Her daughter Sharon and I are very good friends. 
I was in their home a ton. Don and Levon were average income. Things at their home stayed pretty much the same. Once in a while, some new paint. But other than that, no big redo. Levon was always taking food to folks, taking showers, taking, <laughs> taking gifts to showers for new brides and babies with great joy. In her 80s, driving older folks to the doctor. <laughs> Several years ago, I pulled up to their home and realized they were using the same trash cans they had used when I was a kid. I carried them up by the side of the house. It dawned on me that the Kirkpatricks had been stingy with themselves so they could be generous with others. Stingy with themselves so they could be generous with others. And I was one of those others. They could have gotten many new trash cans since the early 60s, but decided to make do so they could do things for others. Recently, as I was with Levon's kids after she had passed, they had asked if there was anything that I wanted at their home, at Levon's home. And I said, well, I was hoping I could get one of those metal trash cans. To which Donnie just shrugged, oh, horrified. I said, I need the reminder of being stingy with myself. My folks live this way too, but it's just not my natural tendency yet. I've used my new old trash can several times and it works just fine. You just stick your bag of trash in there and it works great. As I've continued to observe, I've noticed a pattern. Being unselfish, whether with time, money, or energy, leads to greater contentment, greater joy, and less regret. Another picture. In August 2017, I was on a trip with some of our seniors. We were in Italy. Wasn't a mission trip, it was a just for fun trip. And as we're getting ready to leave, our flights get canceled and it is a full three days before we leave. Everybody's kind of, aw, this isn't what I thought. And some of us are worried and others of us kind of enjoying the situation. But as we got on the plane, you could just tell that everybody on the plane had been jerked around somehow by the airlines. Even the flight attendant seemed worse for the wear. A few hours into the flight, okay, you're, I'm, that's not the picture I'm supposed to be seeing. Mac, it's uh, one before. Yeah, that one. Um, it's just obvious everybody's kind of worn out. So a few hours into the flight, I snagged this picture. It's a Peggy Walton. She's going around the cabin of the plane collecting trash. She had volunteered to pick up trash on that plane. Who does that? She said, let me do this. And finally, it's kind of hard to tell Peggy no. Uh, an airline, an airline uh, flight attendant just said, yes, feel free. So Peggy makes the round over the whole plane, taking up trash gladly. I love that. The flight attendant surrendered. Peggy's always looking for a way to serve. The last snapshot 
is of Jim Fisher. There he is. <laughs> Sticks out his tongue first thing. A few weeks into COVID, David Meyer called and asked if our ministry would keep cooking. We're called the Kitchen Sisters. We'd get back to cooking for homebound folks and for seniors. And I said, well, sure. A few weeks, just a, maybe a week after that, Jim Fisher calls my assistant at work and he says, hey, I want to deliver the food. If y'all can cook, I'll deliver. And he said, and if my kids needed to know about this, I would tell them. <laughs> so he began delivering. He delivered and he delivered. He also kept extra bags of rice, beans, toilet paper in his SUV ready to help, things he had paid for. At one point, I felt a little bit worried. Is he really being careful? So I called and I checked in on him. He assured me that he was being careful. And then he said, Jenny, I can't just sit at home hoping it's all being taken care of. Too many people are needing help. As Jim served, his anxiety lessened and his joy increased. Now, a couple years later, he is still delivering, even with gas prices soaring. He's a servant. Peggy nor Jim had any idea I was talking about them today. It's not how they roll. I could share hundreds of, self, of stories of unselfish people right here in this room. Deeds accomplished by folks right here. I love remembering them. I love thinking about them. They inspire me. For the last 27 years, I've spent a lot of time with folks toward the end of life. I've never heard anyone say, I wish I had been more self-absorbed. I've never heard anyone say, if I had only gotten my way more often. The way of Christ frees us from ourselves, allowing us to move in step with him. He promises us that it's a better way to live. Let's get back to it. I think in a sense, COVID has robbed us of connection. And through being self-absorbed, we just find that it's just not as handy. It's just easier not to connect. And so this morning, we're going to connect. This morning, you may, I'm hoping the Lord, I'm praying the Lord has already put on your heart someone you need to say thank you to or encourage or bless. So in about 10, for about 10 minutes, we're going to practice what I've been preaching. How handy is that? Maybe you already know who you need to go see. But be assured, there are young parents in this room that need encouragement, students in this room who need a blessing, hurting folks who need prayer, worried folks who need some cash, stressed people who need someone to listen, lots of folks who need a hug. Most of what, it, most of what is needed is very doable on this day. So I'm asking you to get up, Move over the building. Make life better for someone. You've got about 10 minutes. Oh my goodness, that sounded so good. 
It sounded so much like family. If anybody um, watched me very closely, they would know some things. On days when I'm having to do something that I just don't really feel up to, I wear my mom's ring. Because she did all kinds of things she didn't feel up to. It was who Emma Phelps was. And it reminds me that, I, not that I have mom's strength, but I have the Lord's strength. Amen. And I can do all kinds of things I don't feel up to. And I think over and over again, we forget that. We forget that. We forget what we believe. What we believe is that the Lord knows what he's talking about and he knows how to do life well. And every bit of what he said mattered. He was right. He made us and he knew, he knew what a full life looks like, what a good life looks like. Um, I'm just one of his kids and I need tangible reminders tangible things that prompt me and go, okay. So, um, I just want to show you a little bit more about my trash can. <laughs> Pretty rough. <laughs> Still works. I think there are just times I'm comparing myself to people that spend more than I do, go on better vacations than I go on, all these things, and end up thinking, yeah, I'm denying myself. When I see a hole in a trash can like that, it reminds me I'm not really. There's more to be sacrificed. There's more to give up. And that's a good thing. We need to work on it. We need to help each other with it. Oh, months ago, um, my oldest son, Britton, said, I'd like for you to go to a financial planner since you're headed toward retirement. And I said, okay. And so I took, I took my little pile of things that I thought he would be interested in. His name's Josh. And um, I said, I'm just going to leave this and you tell me Okay, so when I got back to see Josh a few weeks later, I um, entered his office and he had a little bit of a dubious look. And I thought, well, I'm sure it's because he's so impressed with the huge amount of money I have amassed. <laughs> and so he was fixing to say something. to Josh, before you say anything, I need to tell you something. He said, okay. And I said, nothing Nothing you can tell me is going to cause me to worry. I don't care how bad the news is. I don't care what, nothing's going to cause me to worry. And he said, you're a rare duck. <laughs> and I said, it's because I'm counting on the Lord. I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm saving, but I'm counting on the Lord. Y'all, we got to count on him. The truth is, none of us are good enough to make a big difference in this world without him.
without his spirit prompting. We've got to have him. It's amazing any of us, he can use any of us, it's the truth, isn't it? It's amazing, but he can. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you've always thought you were going to be baptized someday. Maybe today's the day. Maybe you've thought, I really should get prayer. I'm hoping somebody will come today for prayer. We need you, Lord. We need you. Blessings on your week.